and good morning. And it's a beautiful, bright, crisp January morning, and I find myself in a rather delightful 1930s Art Deco flat by the sea, and it's absolutely lovely. It's a beautiful day, and I do feel like I'm in the middle of um, a Poirot um, by Agatha Christie. Now, I'm here with Colin. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, Emmanuel. Um, Now, Colin has agreed to talk to me about growing up in rural Sussex in the 1930s, which is quite fascinating. Now, now Colin is actually older than me. Yes, I know. And Colin is going to be the grand old age of 92 next month. So um, it's quite an achievement, I must say. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed I'm as old as I am. And, and Colin has got, well, he's got way ahead of me. Anyway, Colin is going to talk about his village. Now, the village in question is called Glind. Now, now whereabouts is Glind? Well, Glind is three miles uh, to the east of Lewis. There's a railway station there, a recreation ground, uh, one one village street and a church at the top of the hill. Ah, and I do believe there's also rather an imposing Tudor house, isn't there? Is yeah. that called something? Well, it would... Um, Glind, Glind well, Place. Glind, Glind Place is where the... Um, might say the lord of the manor yes if you want to use that term. well i mean i have visited glind and it's a most exquisite village and it nestles at the foot of mount Caburn, which is part of the south downs national park and i think it's quite a mecca these days for kite surfing or something oh, no no paragliding well, that's, that's right, right yes. they sort of throw themselves off the uh, the edge and well, good uh, luck to them. yes exactly i don't think we're going to be doing any of that and i don't think colin's got any I've desire got no, to no do immediate that. plans to throw myself off the top of mount cable no no well that's good it's good good to hear um, um anyway so the village is, is is almost frozen in time would you say that well I say, yes i would say that because Mostly it was developed in, say, the 17th century uh, and the 18th century too. And really, there's been very little in the, in, in the very little change in the last hundred years, I'd say. Yeah, because there's been no real development. Because I think, uh, one, it's in the South Downs National Park now. But even before then, it was owned by, I believe it's Lord Hamden. Is Lord, that right? Yes, it's the, um, the Hamden, Lord Hamden. Yes, and, and, and they own, I, I imagine they own vast tracts of land around the village. And they also own an awful lot of the village, don't they? Well, I think they, they own pretty well... of the village, really. That's right. And and, and those properties are obviously rented. And and because of that, it has allowed the village to stay more or less intact. I mean, people haven't bought land and built on it and so on. definitely not. Um, So, going back to you, now, Mm. when did you first... Were you born there, or when did you move there? I wasn't born there. I was born in a place called Polgate, which is a few miles from Eastbourne. And we we moved there. My father was working on the uh, as a signalman on the railway, and he got posted to Glind, where there was a signal, a little signal box, and uh, a station. And uh, we moved there. I think it was 1937, something like that. Okay, and and you were born in 1932. 32. So you you spent the first 
formative years in Polgate, but you don't remember I that. I don't remember that, but you know, my my first memories are of, of Glynde, really. I remember the most significant thing is I remember going along to George the Sixth coronation in 1937. Oh, my goodness, that's a and, long time ago. No, because there was a big tent in the recreation ground, which I mentioned before, and um, all the... the all the village children sat down. We had, I don't know what we had, some cakes and sandwiches, I think, something like that. Well, that's lovely. And and, and that was on the rec, recreation ground. That's it, that's and I so. believe they planted a tree, which you recently well, visited. Well, they did plant. I did, saw a tree being planted. And, um, yes, we recently visited to see how it was getting on. I'm not quite sure whether that was the one that I saw being planted, but never mind. It's uh, well, I, I I think probably it's growing tremendously in that time. I mean, yeah, gosh, it's uh, yeah, it's it makes, I mean, ninety years is a long time for a tree. It is a long time for a tree. So your your father worked at the station in the, uh, the signal box. That's, that's, right. that's right. Now describe to me what that was like, because I mean, most people nowadays, I mean, well, there's, there's no such thing as a signal box, no, really. No, no, no. Well, these were sort of the signals were the big, the uh, they were operated for, by by levers, being pulled in the signal box. Ah, and it was quite a, quite a heavy job. To you, had, there's a lot of friction on the the furthest away signals. You know, and, so so you really had to use your weight. So it was a well, bit like a workout in the gym, I would well, imagine. It was pretty much so. Yeah, uh, I never ever. Well, I was never. Big enough, really, I suppose, to try my hand at it. But and of course, it was quite a skilled thing to do. And at the station, which was on the the Eastbourne to Brighton line, there was um, sounds incredible, but there was a station master, um, booking clerk, two porters. Um, Two porters, two signalmen. Wow! So it's, it's, for a tiny village, that seems an awful lot of people well, working at the right. station. When we went back uh, last year to see how we, things were getting on there, there's no, there's no one working there at all. You just go up to a ticket machine. That's right. Put it's your all, money in. It's all automated. Mm. But I believe the actual station buildings are going to be revamped or something and made into a, an eatery or a restaurant well, or something. Some talk <clears> of that, I think. Yeah. So from from there, you, you obviously started school in the village. Now, I, 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 I visited and I have seen the village school, which is a delightful flint-built building, yes. which is now obviously somebody's uh, dwelling. You know, it's not a school anymore. Well, I started school at the age of five, obviously, in 1937, that would be, before the war. Yeah. And, uh, yes, there were, uh, it was a flint building, um, and there was... There were two rooms. Two, two classrooms. Two classrooms. And two, one it seems, two teachers. And two teachers, one for the 5 to 11, say. And then when I first went to the, to the school, the, the, um, the age that you left school was 14. That went up to 15 when I was still there, I think. Yeah, so they increased the, the leaving age. They increased the leaving age, yes. So, I mean, you were in a class, I mean... 
you know, it's, it's quite incredible, really. You had the age range from five to sort of 11 in yeah. one classroom. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, how on earth did the teacher teach all those different <laughs> range of that. children? I mean, yeah. nowadays, they're all in separate year groups, aren't they? Well, you know? Yeah, of course, it's, you know, schools of that type now, I should imagine, are pretty non well, non-existent, I don't know. Well, I, 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 I imagine there might be someone sort of the, the, the far-flung reaches in Scotland, you know, in some well, sort of little, um, you know, highlands and islands. I, I do believe there probably are one or two schools like that, because it would mm. be too difficult for children to be ferried across to the mainland. Mm. But yeah, that's quite interesting. And, and you were one of the first people to pass the entrance exam that was then called the 11 plus to yeah. go to grammar school is that correct that is correct yes and and what was that like do you remember that was it a big well, big thing or you well, know yes, what it was, was a big you thing. know yeah because you know my parents knew that it was an important thing if you could get to the grammar school i mean you could probably get a, a better job than you know, than sort of going on working on the farm or something like that, which is what most of the other children did. Yeah, so it was it was pretty much um, a rural location with with not a huge number of job opportunities. I believe in Beddingham, uh, which yeah. is next to, there was a quarry. Is that right? Yes, that is true. A chalk, chalk quarry where the chalk was burned to into lime to spread on the fields. And that was sort of an industry that was still running then. Oh, yes, um, it's still. It was still running then. I suspect it's not running anymore, but uh, I don't know. It could even still be going now. I don't know. So you were lucky in that you were able to go to the grammar school, which yeah. was over in Lewis, which was not too far away, no, and you could also one, get there on the train. It was one stop on the train. So, oh, that that was yeah. marvellous. Yeah. You know. um, yeah, that's really interesting because, of course, today, I mean, there, there are one or two places where they still have the 11 plus, but, I mean, education has changed out of well, all. Of course it you has, know, yes. um, um, And I don't really know what they do at school anymore. I mean, it's beyond my, um, you know, imagination what they do. Mm. But, um, obviously, that was a, a, that was a, uh, an opportunity for you to 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 do something different. Mm. Were your parents supportive of that? Oh, yes, yes, but particularly my mother. Yeah, who wanted me to uh, do something a bit different to what her family had done. You know. Yeah, well, I I, I believe she was from a, a farming family. She is was. that right? She's one, um, of, one of ten children. That's right, and and astoundingly, apparently, they all survived, they which did. is uh, did, yes. quite a miracle, really, at that mm. time of day. Mm. Um. I'm really interested to know, because obviously, um, what was the house like? I mean, because I don't think anyone well, today would have any idea of what it was like to live in a, in a village. Well, I mean, we all think it's a, a lovely, idyllic no, life. But a, or, uh, we lived in a, a, a block of three cottages, two up and two down. So the two bedrooms and uh, the kitchen and uh, a sitting room. And it was all very small. I mean, it was all well, yes. I mean, you wasn't room to swing a cat round in there, but uh, uh, quite a nice garden, though. It, you know, it was big enough to grow vegetables in. And uh, which, I mean, with the war coming up, because of course we're going to get onto that. Mm. Um, with the war coming up, that would have been um, quite advantageous to have your own garden and uh, you could well, grow well, your own food. Everyone did have their own garden. Yeah, the, those that didn't have a very big garden, there was a. Uh, so there were special, special um, 
what they call allotments yes they had with the in the village, which village, yeah. yeah, so um, and I do, I do think that it was fairly recently. I say recently, but that that the cottage actually had a, a toilet and a bathroom built because prior to that, you no, didn't have a bathroom, and you're we never ever almost the whole time when I was there, we never had a bathroom. No, and the toilets were um, pretty primitive. I can tell you, and they were down in the garden, away from the house, weren't away they? from the house. Yes. It was, it was all very... Things hadn't changed much, I wouldn't think, since about 1700. No, I mean, uh, one, one imagines you probably had a tin bath in the coal house and uh, right. it was once a week it was, job. It was, yes, definitely. Um, so, you know, it was pretty basic by today's standards. I don't mm. think there are many people that will put up with that uh, in this day and well, age because it's, it's, it's yeah. assumed you will have a, a, a flush toilet and, and, and a bathroom. No, it's, 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 you take that as... Grounded, as a given it? yeah that's right so and you were an only child growing up but and and that possibly could have been lonely but it wasn't because you had a, a friend that lived uh, yes, close I, by yes just 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 over the wall in the hat we lived next door to a commercial dairy they, they used to bring milk in churns to this dairy from all, all the farms round round about and um then it was pasteurised and, to some extent, processed. Uh, and um, and your friend lived lived in one of the dairy cottages. There were three dairy, three cottages, uh, just over the wall. And what was his name? His name was John Hall. John Hall, and, yeah. and, and basically, I, I think that was, and he was similar age to you, was he? Sort of more or less? Yeah, yes, slightly older. Slightly older. Two but, months older. But but that enabled you to almost like have a, a brother. So oh, well, you, you sort of grew up and were able to get out and play football yeah, and yeah, get up well, to... We used to do all sorts of things because we had the whole of the, um, uh, well, the, actually the whole of those, the downs and... All the fields to roam over. So it was well, quite, really. yeah. So it's quite a free, free reign. Of course, nice. in those days, you didn't have the traffic zooming up oh, the, no, the hill. You didn't. You didn't. Um, and it was a lot safer in that respect. Well, it was. I mean, there were no cars parked on the side of the village street like there are now. No, and I'm now I'm really fascinated to know when you were what? How old were you when the war started? Seven, 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 yeah, eight. I would be seven. Yeah, yeah. were you aware that that? Was was going to take place did you have any idea well yes i was able to grasp the uh, the idea of it I, I think i can remember mr chamberlain addressing the nation and you had a radio i presume oh yes i had a radio yeah, yeah. And can you remember your parents reaction what did they say did they well, say anything just soldier on, really. That's all you could do. I mean, your father was in an occupation where, and he well, was probably he was, in an age where he was not able to fight. Well, no. It, well, he would have been able to have done, but of course, you know, railway signalmen were exempt from Call serving. Well, you couldn't do without them. You no, had I mean, to have them, you I know. mean, you wanted the, the the trains to be running for goodness' sake. Well, you wanted, yeah, because there, there, there were lots of special trains carrying, you know. Came war supplies, tanks, yeah. trucks, and all sorts of stuff like that. And did your mum work, or did she work in the village? Or uh, no, she didn't really work very much. Um, 
So she stayed really she at home. She was a housewife. Yeah. Um, okay, so, I mean, your experiences of the war, I mean, you've got some stories of that, and I, I'm quite interested, because I I believe that you had Canadian troops billeted yes, at, at before, the house. Before, Not your house, no, but no, Glyne no, no. Place. Well, oh, yes. <clears throat> well, well, before we get there, I can remember... This would be in 1939. Oh, right, just the beginning. Just at the, when the war had just broken out. I remember... Uh, one of the villages going up the hill is a, is a hill up to the church, as I think I mentioned. Before. Yes, that's right. Just fired further up. He was ringing a handbell, going up the up the road. Um, my parents, I, I, we all looked out of the window. Said, "What the hell is he doing?" You know. Yes. And it turned out that we we found out some subsequent time that he was um, um, he was ringing the alarm. Oh, so it was like a siren, well, but it wasn't a siren. Never, never had, had a siren. A siren ah, time. right, I see. And I remember too the Home Guard being when it was first formed. This would be about probably 1940. There were sort of about half a dozen village men with uh, armbands on, saying LDV. Oh, which is local defence volunteers. Oh, right, so a bit like Dad's Army. Well, very much. Well, it wasn't even Dad's Army. <laughs> no, it was worse. They were carrying, if they carried anything at all, it would be a few shotguns between them. Yes. I'm not going to do too much against the German parachutists, I didn't think. No. Um, yeah. No, not really. No. Now, I, did you ever see, because of being in the area you were in, in the southeast of England, obviously there were fighters mm. and the Battle of Britain, which um, oh, yeah. did you ever see any of those fights up in the well, sky? The, or, the thing um, was, they were fought at a very, very high altitude about you know, the planes at the on the highest uh, plane that they could get you know, say 30,000 feet yeah. would have been about then Yeah. Uh, you get a big advantage if you dive down on the, on the enemy. That's right. So, so you... both sides were struggling to get as high as they could. Yeah. And um, I remember one particular time, and the air, this would be uh, in August, I think, 1940. Yes. It's a lovely day. And uh, the, the air was absolutely full of vapour trails. Above, yes. And there were planes coming, German planes coming in over Beachy Head and along there, you know. Yes, the south coast. Along the south coast where I was. And uh, I went down to see my dad. I was a bit concerned by all this. He was working in the signal box. And he said, if I were you, son, I'd go, <laughs> go home. Yes. A bit, which I did. But uh, that's, you know, that's the... Thing I do remember, though. Yeah, you, and did you have a, a, an air raid shelter at home? No. Because some people did, in the, obviously in we towns. Never, ever had a, an air raid shelter. Well, I suppose you didn't really think you were a target, but I do believe that there were one or two fatalities in the locality where, uh, you know, bombs were dropped. Well, they used to... Quite often I, fa I fancied that the German planes, when they came over, especially at night, hadn't a clue where they were. no. And so rather than carry the bombs home, they would, they would release them. We had quite a few bombs round about the village. But fortunately, they didn't do any damage. No, but you were aware of them. Oh, I mean, yeah. You could hear them, oh, which yeah. must have been quite frightening. Well, it was. Um, yeah, fascinating. And, and, and so 
during this time, obviously growing up there, I, I suppose there was an element, as you got older, an element of excitement because stuff was going on in the village. Oh, yes. Oh, I used to wake up, I remember, in the morning. I said, no, any bombs dropped during the night? And said, yes, there's some over at Ringmer and or somewhere else where I fell. And we'd all get on our bikes and go pedalling over and see if we could find any bits. Oh, right. Bombs. Oh, my gosh. And so I had... Uh, had a huge collection of uh, shrapnel. shrapnel and uh, bits and pieces, fins of this, that and the other. So yeah. it was it was quite an exciting time, really, well, I suppose, because it, it was stuff going on. And obviously there were troops within the village uh, later on, um, Canadian troops, weren't there? there were, yes. Was there a, a, a rifle range or a training no, area no, or anything? Well, they used to use the dams as a... As a, as, a, as a range, but we had a, a, a battery of field artillery stationed in the village, 25-pounder guns. Were, oh, gosh. Yeah. That's quite big. Well, that was they were the standard field artillery. Oh, I see. Time. Yes. Yeah. And and your, um, your endeavours took you to creating your own explosive devices, oh, didn't they? Oh, indeed. Uh, there I'm were one or two other boys like you know of my age and older. inclinations used to make we used to make our own explosive devices. I won't tell you what they what the ingredients were, but no, we used I mean to make some tremendous explosions anyway. And I believe there was one occasion when a poor um, Paul uh, lad was almost knocked unconscious. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, we we, we had a, an explosive device, if you like, simmering at the base of a wall by the by the road, by the river bridge. And when it, we stood around in a, a circle, waiting for it to explode, and this little boy poked his head over the wall. As you do. Yeah. There's a huge explosion, and his, he disappeared behind the, the parapet. We couldn't see him. And I thought, I, I imagine oh, your heart we, stopped. Well, it? We, we thought we'd done for him. And he, after a short interval, he poked his head back over the wall and had a huge bump between his <laughs> eyes. And he said, cool, he said, that hurt. I bet it did. My God, he was lucky to come on away with his life, wasn't he? I don't know what he said to his mum when he got home. Um, it sounds sounds quite scary to mm. me. Anyway, um, great. So, so th- those times stood out for you. And, and I suppose living in a rather quiet rural location the war would have shaken things up a bit which it obviously did well, um, I don't know whether the tenor of life was very much changed we could, whether there were a number of um, you know village people men anyway who were away fighting in the war and did any of them die Do you, were you aware of them well, being uh, the, you know only one, one in particular <coughs> we had a, a forge in the village yeah a working forge Shoeing horses, making wrought ironwork. That's, kind of I believe, that's near the recreation that's ground, right. isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yes, on the other side of the road. And um, their son, his name was Donald. He um, became a pilot, a sergeant pilot. Wow. He was sent to the down in down in in Italy or in that area, the, down to the Mediterranean. I think work flying from Malta, probably. And uh, he just—he unfortunately he um, his plane took off one day with his crew of the crew of three on this. I think it was a 
Blenheim or something like that, Bowfighter or some, one of these twin-engine planes. Yeah. And they, they just disappeared. No one ever knew what happened to them. So uh, that was very unfortunate, wasn't mm. it? And I do believe um, one of your uncles was um, caught up in that, uh, you know, in, in lost his life in, in the war. Is that right? Or coming back from the war. Um, one of your uncles. I, oh, I, no, I, he... Was that... No, my, that's an uncle who... Oh. Who, who my, my second name is uh, yeah. named after. Yeah. He, he was in the, the pre-war Royal Air Force, but uh, right. he died of, uh, in Palestine he'd been, but he died of kidney failure. I don't know circumstances. No, no. It took before my time, really. And it's right prescient that it was in Palestine, which is sort of in yes, the news a lot today, well, isn't they were it? fighting in in Palestine in 1936. So Even then? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's been an unfortunate place, hasn't it, in terms well, of that? not really. Yes, it's one of these places that you're never going to sort out, ever. No. no. Well, well, never say never, but not, well, not maybe in your lifetime and, well, and, and not probably in mine. But no, no, anyway. I doubt whether anybody in yes. still so, so the war was... was you know, life went on in Glind and nothing much changed, but, you know, it obviously um, shaped you in some ways, uh, your childhood. It shaped who you became to some extent. Mm. I mean, it must well, it do. Must done, um, yeah. yeah um, and then from there, you know, the war finishes, uh, schools, you know, well, we just carry on. Carry on. Yeah. And, and I believe then there was a sort of hiatus because you did go on to um, train to be a pharmacist. But before that, you took a job after you finished. Well, yes, my father was anxious that I go out and earn some money, which... Well, I'm quite happy to do that, but I, I did get, I was interested in chemistry, science, that kind of stuff. And I, I, I got, was able to get a job in Eastbourne, in the laboratory of East, Eastbourne Gasworks. Yes, and in those days, it was it was gas from coal, wasn't oh, it? It, it was, wasn't natural gas. It wasn't natural gas. Uh, and every gas. town had a gas yeah. uh what do you call them? A gas thing. A gas word. Ga- yes, a gas word. Yes. Um, of course, that all went in. The, I think it was the nineteen seventies yeah. or whatever. Well, um, I don't know. You know. But, uh, it was pretty obvious to me that when I got there, that this wasn't a long-term career. No, I mean, and, pretty boring. Uh, I would have thought. Well, yeah, it was. I, could, I couldn't see any future in it for me. So, uh, um, my mother got on to my headmaster. And I passed my school certificate by then. And Which in those days was the pre-runner of uh, well, O-level, A-levels, yes, wasn't it? That's right. It was just virtually another name for it. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, he, took, took, he took me back into the what was called the Science Sixth. You know, we did chemistry. That's right. Physics, so it's like a sixth form. Chemistry, yeah. physics. Botany and zoology, that sort of Yeah, oh, that was good. But but I do remember there was some sort of incident in the gasworks where you caused an explosion. Oh, well, yes. no, 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 well, oh. no. Well, it wasn't a... I was pretty... Um, unfortunate, shall we say. Yes. Uh, no, no, I, I remember what, one, one particular thing. I, I'd, I'd spilt tar on my trousers oh right and uh, I was using one of the some of the um, 
inflammable liquid. You know, we, mm. we used to get benzene out of the gas stream, and that, that on on, and I was dab dabbing away at my tarry trousers, trousers, as you do, and, and um, like a fool. We had a distillation going on over a Bunsen burner, and uh, I wanted to turn that down a bit. And I, I went to turn the, the gas flame down, holding this benzene-soaked <laughs> rag. Caught it, caught fire. Uh, it burned with you know masses, copious black smoke and yellow flames. And like a fool, I tried to stamp it out. Uh, not thinking that my trousers, my trouser, my right trouser leg was covered in tar. Covered in, had been covered in tar. No, it was also had a fair amount of benzene on it itself. So that went up very quickly. Oh God! And I came, I rushing out into the main lab, and the other members who were there stamped me out. Oh my and God! It, Could have been really bad burn, couldn't well, it? it? I, I wasn't burned at all, fortunately, but. I had to go home on the train from Eastbourne back to Glind, uh, wearing a pair of trousers, but uh, with a, the trousers only had one leg. <laughs> but I mean, nobody said a word, of course. Well, uh, they're probably they're all terribly embarrassed, yes, think thinking, "Gosh, were. poor chap, he's like, only got one." Like to know one trouser leg. They won't get, nobody was going to ask. No, yeah. and and I, I I would love to have been party to the conversation that you had with your mum when you walked in. I mean, I don't well, know what yes, she said. I, I don't really remember. No, no she did say, but uh, but I imagine she was like yeah, not anyway, that pleased. I mean. It was an absurd business, but anyway, uh, no harm was done. So. so, I mean, from there, you know, uh, back back in school, and 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 you then off you went to Brighton, mm. and you did your pharmacology degree. Pharmacy degree. That's yeah. right, and um, and there we go. So mm. from from Glind, that rural, um, mm. uh, that rural village, um, you know. Back in time, not really change, and there you go, and you've got a degree in pharmacology. And I don't suppose there were all that many other blind children that succeeded well, uh, in that way. I don't well, know from well, the, from that that well, age. My friend, I've mentioned him John. Before, John, he became a bank manager. Oh well, that was good. With the Midland Bank, and uh, so he did pretty well. Yeah. I mean, there were one or two, but I, I suppose, you know, it, it wasn't common, was it? No, it wasn't then? common, no. Um, no, the great majority of them worked on the, the Glind Estate, as it was called, or in the, on the farms roundabout. But I suppose at that time, I mean, we're talking about the, the 50s, and obviously after the war, I mean, it was a quite an austere time. I mean, was rationing carried on well oh, after yes, the war. it was. It was uh, but I don't, I don't ever remember being hungry at all. No, well, that was good. I mean, um, but I, I think that generation, your generation, um, from working backgrounds, I mean, we call it working class, you did have that opportunity and, and a lot of you made it out of that and into jobs which we would term middle class. Yes, that's true. You, you can only do that if you're... If you get a proper education, exactly, but, and um, obviously I realised that. So yeah, and so you 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 took you know you took every opportunity, mm. and 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 that that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Colin. It's been absolutely brilliant just to have those little reminisces and mm. and and to find out what it was like because it's something that I think a lot of younger people will have absolutely no idea. Well, um, uh, 
I hope I, I might have given you a flavour of what life was like. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because, you know... I mean, but, it, 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 obviously, it'll never come back again. So. Well, no, nothing does, does it? I mean, I mean my youth and my, 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 my time, which is obviously mm. uh, much more recent, uh, that's gone and that will never be no. the same again. I think it's all, all generations are unique in that respect. The next generation or generations have a completely different experience. Mm. Um, and one would hope that it's, it's progress, um, but it isn't always. Uh, fantastic. So I'm, I'm going to be leaving this wonderful Art Deco flat and the sun is still out and I'm going to grab myself a coffee. So Colin, thank you so much. Not at all, Emmanuel. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Vita Anima. My name's Emmanuel LeBrock. Until next time... Goodbye.